The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. Week 1 saw our beloved go toe-to-toe with the Falcons and come up short. Week 2 has them heading down to Florida to take on the Buccaneers to see if they can get their first win of 2017 on the road. Can the Bears bounce back, or will the Bucks just keep them down? The hosts of the PewterCast podcast join us on the Week 2 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Week one in the rear view, week two just up ahead. And, uh, you know, try to see if our beloved Chicago Bears can get their first road win. And, God, how long has it been? I was just trying to think of that. The Bears did not win a road game at all in 2016. And I'm trying to think, when was the last time we won a road game in 2015? And the, the only one I can think of is Thanksgiving night at Green Bay. Is that the last time that we won a game on the road? I hope not. But, uh Nonetheless, we travel on the road to take on the Buccaneers who are in the unique position of, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, being, be, you know, being in Florida and having suffered the wrath of uh, Hurricane Irma did not get to play their first game of the season and uh, will be kicking off their season. So not only is it the home opener, it's the season opener for the Buccaneers uh, on Sunday when they host our beloved Chicago Bears. What's going on, everybody? Larry back for the week two preview episode of the Chicago Bears review and we got our friends Brent Allen and Ren Dax from the Pewtercast podcast to, to join us and help preview uh this game <laughs> when I talk to them uh I don't know if you guys can tell or not but I'm usually winging it when when I'm when I'm talking to my guests because I'm trying to have more of a conversation than I am an interview I mean I call it an interview but I'm really just wanting to try to have a conversation and that's what I'm trying to do but um uh, you know, I kind of wish that I had notes uh, as far as like stuff that I wanted to ask them, um, mostly because they didn't play last week. So it, it was, you know, just trying to, to tr- trying to think of things to to uh, to talk about. And uh, luckily, there's two of them. So they have twice as much to say as regular guests do. So ended up being just fine. But, uh, you know, I uh, <laughs> I I kind of wish that I had written down uh, some notes to try to uh, to help push things along if uh if we ran into trouble because we didn't have a football game to talk about, because as you hear Ren and, and Brent say, um, the Bucks didn't really, the starters didn't play a whole lot in the preseason and, you know, didn't, um, he said that it was something like 15 starters didn't play or didn't even dress for the dress rehearsal game and, and, and things like that. So with them not playing week one, obviously the starters don't play week four in, in the preseason finale, uh, you know, and they didn't play, most of them didn't play in the dress rehearsal game. How long has it been since most of them have played any kind of minutes? And now they're going the full 60 minutes. They're not playing a quarter or two quarters and then sitting it out and let the reserves take it from there. We might actually be at somewhat of an advantage that, um, you know, there's a, uh, cause there's a difference between being in shape 
and being in game shape. And I'm thinking just optimistically that uh, maybe a lot of these guys aren't in the game shape that they would normally be at this point because they haven't played a significant amount of football in a while. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, we talked to Brent and uh, Ren about that, amongst other things. And uh, Ren had some things to say about Tariq Cohen. And uh, you'll uh, you'll hear that. I, I, uh, yeah, that, that was interesting. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see, you know, because uh, Ren's wrapped up in statistics. He's obviously a, a fantasy football guy. And, um, you know, Tariq Cohen's numbers were good. They weren't, you know, monumental or, or anything like that. He had over 100 yards total. Uh, an offense. Ren was mixing in the uh, punt return yardage. I wasn't even thinking about that, but um, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, a more about impact than than statistics. You'll hear what uh, you'll hear what we mean. What do you mean when when you hear Ren talk about it? But um, you know, you asked the Falcons if Tariq Cohen had an impact on the game, and uh, you know, if they if it matters what the stats say, it doesn't. You know, not in my opinion, anyway. But um, anyway. Um, got a couple of things to cover here before we get moving on to uh, bringing our guests along. And um, because we are the Chicago Bears, uh, we have an injury report to talk about. Um, I don't know if I brought this up or if I was even aware of it on Monday when we did the show. I'm pretty sure we did. But uh, Jarrell Freeman, down for the season. Um, or at least... That's what it looks like anyway. Um, headed on to injured reserve uh, with a torn pectoral muscle. Um, John Fox is kind of leaving the door open that it could be short-term IR. Uh, I actually got in touch with our friend Jeff Dickerson from ESPN. Um, you know, went back and forth with him a bit on the uh, uh, on Twitter with each other, asking him, you know, and I, and I quote, you know, I don't suppose you can make my day and tell me that Jarrell Freeman is going on the short-term IR and um, you know Dickerson doesn't think so uh, he thinks that he is done for the season but as I mentioned John Fox kind of leaving the door open that uh, for the possibility that Jarrell Freeman might be able to uh, return so maybe if it's a slight tear or something like that it's going to require surgery one way or the other but I guess the the uh, the less minor the tear the 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 more probable that uh, Freeman might be able to strap it up again uh, this season. The good news is we have Nick Kwiatkowski at, uh, uh, you know, second year guy who got to play some significant time last year when Danny Trevathan uh, went down. So it's not like we're slapping somebody new out there, somebody who doesn't have any experience. Kwiatkowski is a player, you know, and he's he's the future. You know, Jarrell Freeman and Trevathan are th on three and are in their second year of three and four year contracts. So you know, Kwiatkowski is probably going to replace one of these guys. Um, you know, I would prefer to keep uh, at this point, I, I, you know, Freeman seems like the better fit. I love Trevathan and what he's been able to do, but there's only two inside linebacker spots. You know, I think Kwiatkowski is going to be the cheaper one to keep. And, uh, you know, it's all about the, the money in the NFL. You guys know that. But, um, you know, so it'll be Trevathan and Kwiatkowski, our inside linebacker. So we're in good shape there. Uh, Jonathan Anderson brought up off of the practice squad to uh, to fill in and add depth behind Kwiatkowski, and we know Anderson can play. He's been a starter at times for us, mo more specifically in 2015. Um, you know, he spent a lot of time coming off the uh, the bench in 2015 or playing, I should say. So uh, we're in good hands there. Some quality depth behind 
quality depth, which was Witkowski. Um, and then the good news about uh, Kevin White going on injured reserve is that it brings Tanner Gentry up from the practice squad. He is on the active roster, uh, you know, something that probably should have happened anyway. Uh, you know, when the 53-man was set, Tanner Gentry should have been on it. But as they say, the Lord works in mysterious ways. So here he is on the, pra- on the active roster, excuse me, um, to fill in the uh, open practice squad spots. The Bears signed Joshua Rounds, the running back that had some time with us during the preseason, and Mario Alford, a wide receiver who, one, who came into the league, I think, in 2015 as a seventh-round pick, I want to say for the Bengals. Um, I didn't, didn't jot it down. Nonetheless, he's, he's on the practice squad to fill in for, uh, you know, the, the, the holes that, uh, Jonathan Anderson and Tanner Gentry left behind and the bears released Ruben Randall from injured, uh, reserve. So I guess maybe an injury settlement was reached there and he is free to do as he must, I guess maybe when he's, when he's healthy, then he'll, uh, see about getting himself on a brand new, uh, team. But, um, it, it, it said that uh, Jarrell Freeman uh, mentioned that he hurt himself on the first play of the game. So he played the entire game with a torn pectoral muscle and uh, was still a beast throughout the game. He was awesome uh, on Sunday, which is what sucks even more that he's not going to be playing anymore or most likely not going to be playing anymore. But um, in other injury news, um, Jordan Howard has had, uh, I guess, you know, dinged up his shoulder a bit. On Sunday, Kyle Long, Marcus Wheaton, and Prince Amukamura, all four are still are or listed as limited on Wednesday and Thursday uh, in practice. Kyle Long's been sending out some uh, some odd uh, like tweets and Instagram uh, pictures. Um, it was a weird one. He's kind of like uh, in the picture. Somebody caught him like uh, licking the corner of his mouth or something like that. It was just the mouth open. He's like licking his lips and whatever and, and the caption is uh i in week two like and then see him kind of licking his lips so i guess maybe that's his kind of cryptic way of saying that uh he plans on playing on sunday and um you know i hope so that would be great to see him to see him out there so uh <laughs> that would open the door for uh tom compton to go from uh left guard you know kyle long takes his spot back and Compton can move out to right tackle and get Bobby Massey out there because we can't handle these 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 early early season you know woes like he had last year and again this year two of those four sacks came off of Massey uh, on Sunday so um, he needs to he needs to fix it up I mean he's on he's on a three year con- he's in year two of a three year contract and he's only got like half a million in guaranteed money left after this year don't think the Bears won't be able to write off half a million dollars. So he better uh, better figure it out because uh, we also got Bradley Soul as well. So we got some uh, swing tackles there that can uh, make up for any kind of mess that he's putting out there. But um, Howard, Long, Wheaton, and Amukamura, you know, three of those four guys haven't played yet this year. So uh, Wheaton is the one that uh, I definitely think we need to see on the field because we need all the help we can get. Uh, wide receiver and we, we you know we signed him to a to make about six million dollars a year in a bare uniform he hasn't earned a dime of it yet so uh you know i know like i said about kevin white i know it's not your fault when you get hurt but you know <laughs> it's like how much luck can you know how many how many guys can we have on the team where it's like uh if he didn't have bad luck you wouldn't have any luck at all 
You know, you start the year off with appendicitis and then your first practice back, you break a finger that requires surgery. So, you know, hopefully we got all of that out of our system and we got all the injuries done so we can be healthy for the rest of the season um, and uh, get uh, Marcus Wheaton out there and see if he's worth the money we're paying him. Um, but, you know, the good news is, you know, like I said, um, you know, I wasn't happy with the off season because we didn't go out and get the like the impact players that I thought we could have, especially with the salary cap space. But I think we're a much deeper team this year than we were last year. Like Ryan Pace was gearing up for something like this to happen because with without a Mukamura, we still have Kyle Fuller, who despite it all is a first-round draft choice and was talented enough to be taken in the first round. And he had a good game against the Falcons on Sunday. So, you know, my, you know so I th- we're in good shape as far as being able to maintain there's there's the, the the talent level doesn't go off a cliff when somebody gets hurt and i think ryan pace did a good job of of helping us i mean usually losing a jarrell freeman that's gonna that's gonna be an, a significant blow now it's gonna hurt for sure but with nick Kwiatkowski, it's not gonna sting as bad as it would have in the past so um you know it's not all doom and gloom with that so but on the good news side one of my favorite players of all time, and probably yours too, uh, Brian Urlacher. It was announced nominated as a candidate for the uh, Hall of Fame for 2018. One of 11 first-year players that were nominated. Um, people on the other, people that are on that first-year list that are virtual locks are guys like well, Ray Lewis. He's going in no matter what. Uh, Urlacher definitely should. Um, but somebody, I was thinking it was a column that Dick, uh, Jeff Dickerson wrote saying that um, the presence of Randy Moss also being a first year, uh, a first ballot guy um, could complicate things because it's very, it's very rare that the, the Hall of Fame committee will elect three first ballot guys on, you know, on the first year. So um, basically, you know, saying that if, uh, if Erlacher doesn't get in, it'd probably be you know, Moss that does kind of thing so um i guess that's what hinges on because ray lewis is going in i think we we can all you know all agree that's probably going to happen no matter what and erlacher should be right there with him so i mean i I absolutely believe that and if he does if erlacher gets in i'm going to canton you know i i was too young when sweetness got in uh i missed my chance when my other when the player that i was that was my favorite after sweetness retired believe it or not was warren moon when he went in in 2006, I didn't get to go. Um, Erlacher's going in, you know, that's the the best player of my generation. I'm definitely not going to miss that when he uh, when he makes his speech and, uh, you know, we get to see him put on his coat and uh, unveil his statue. I, I, I definitely want to see it. And I've also never been to the Hall of Fame, so I, I definitely want to take that off of the bucket list. I mean, I have no desire whatsoever to spend a significant amount of time in Ohio, but... Uh, to, to be able there to bear witness to uh, Brian Urlacher uh, being inducted in, in the, the hall of the greatest uh, where he belongs. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take the hit. So, and um, last thing I want to talk about real quick um, uh, made headlines this week is that uh, the CFL, the Canadian football league has um, voted or decreed or decided that um, full contact practices will cease to be, immediately i mean they're in the middle of their season they've been playing football since july 
mid July, late to, mid to late July. I mean, their their season goes from like July to November, as opposed to the NFL, which goes September to January. I guess because the winters are a son of a bitch up there in Canada. But uh, you know, um, we've talked about this before, and I understand why they're doing it. The you know player safety and um, you know trying to to lessen the amount of injuries that are happening in the game. But um, call me crazy, and, I, and I've mentioned this before on the show, uh, you know, I've talked about it a thousand times, I honestly believe, you know, and, and if anybody can find the stats and help me out with this, prove me right or wrong, I'd appreciate it, but if ever since they, the, the NFL signed the, uh, the new CBA back in 2011 that limited the amount of full contact practices, eliminated two-a-days, and, and all the rest of that stuff. You know, and I'm not talking about concussions or whatever, because basically the NFL for for the existence of the league was pretty much ignoring concussions. Let's be honest. But I'm, I'm talking about overall injuries, dinged up, you know, significant, minor, what have you significant. You know, injuries have been on the rise since that new CBA was signed in 2011, or at least it's getting reported a hell of a lot more than it had been uh, in the past. And, and I think that's because. Their foot, their, you know, as, as great and, you know, amazing and prolific and, uh, you know, uh, strong and, and muscular and, you know, athletic athletes as these men are, it takes a lot to prepare your body to play football. And to be honest with you, if you're, if you're in football and if you're in practice and you're not having any kind of contact, then you're not preparing your body for football. You're, you're just not. Because as I mentioned earlier, when I was talking about whether or not the Bucks would be, you know, maybe that's something that we can catch the Bucks or, or, or you know, blow past them in the second half, um, you know, because their bodies aren't football ready, then, you know, it, it, I believe that that's that's a that's a thing, you know, I honestly do. Like the the less contact there has been in practice is seeing a rise in injuries because you're going from walkthroughs and run-throughs and playing touch football in practice to all of a sudden, you know, using your body like the monstrous battering ram that it is. And their bodies aren't prepared for that. They're just not. So everyone, the people are getting hurt a lot more than they used to. And, you know, it really has become a thing in the NFL where obviously talent is definitely, um, you know, something that you, that you need in this league, but it's, it's kind of become who's the last man standing, who has the, you know, either the, the, the training regimen or the luck to be the last man standing, who's the healthiest team out there. And those are usually the teams that are standing in the, in the Super Bowl. You know, you look at them and how many significant injuries, how many guys are banged up. But I mean, the Falcons had one offensive line combination all throughout 2016. That's a huge reason why. They were able to make it to the Super Bowl last year. I'm pretty sure that the, you know, the Patriots didn't suffer many injuries themselves, you know, being able to maneuver their way through the AFC. And, um, you know, it's uh, I, I really do believe that the less contact these guys have in practice, the more injuries you'll see on the field because their bodies simply aren't prepared for it. I mean, they're professionals. And then that's the thing that, that that's it's also kind of an ego thing. 
we're professionals. We know how to tackle. We know how to do this, that, or the other. We don't need to practice full contact and practice and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. And we all know that's bogus because how many, you know, tackling has gotten significantly worse since that new CBA went in in 2011. And uh, it missed tackles, bad form, and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, it, it's it's. Um, I really do think that that's, that's why we're seeing so many injuries is because – they're not hitting each other in practice. Therefore, their bodies aren't prepared for the game on Sunday. You know, when they go out there, they're going full speed. It's something they're not prepared for, and their bodies are crying out for it. So call me crazy. It's my theory. If anybody can find the stats to either prove or disprove what I'm saying, I'd appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I would be, ha- you know, I'd be happy to, to be wrong about it, but I, I'm pretty sure that I'm right. So. Anyway, on that somber note, we're going to go ahead and, and get into this preview. Brent Allen and Ren Dex from the PewterCast podcast had a great conversation with them. I think you'll enjoy uh, Ren's uh, comments about uh, Tariq Cohen and uh, talk about that and many, many other things about how this Buccaneers team is going to get ready, having so much downtime and everything else in between. Uh, so let's get ready to do it. The Ren Dex. Brent Allen, the Pewtercast guys, previewing week number two. Week number two has our beloved Chicago Bears on their first road trip of the season going down to Tampa, Florida, Raymond James Stadium to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and here to join me back on the show. And uh, thankfully, they are not underwater or at least not as underwater as they would have been before or anything like that. Uh, Brent Allen, Ren Dax from the PewterCast. Guys, welcome back to the show. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to hear that you guys made it through. Just barely, but we made it. Yeah, I, I lost a little piece of a, a little piece of roof. I had to go climb up on a ladder and sandbag it down in the middle of the hurricane. But oh uh, wow! Uh, yeah, but besides that, I mean, you know, most most Pinellas County where I am, I'm Saint Petersburg. Uh, excuse me, Saint Petersburg, right outside of Tampa, uh, just across the bridge. But uh, most people in Saint Pete uh, didn't lose power, so it wasn't nearly as bad as like the Keys or Naples or Miami. So uh, well, we're pretty lucky. But yeah, we're, we're, everything's back up and running over here at, at the. Uh, Chateau de Rennes. <laughs> Did you guys take on any water? Uh, we had a little leak where, where you know, the roof came up, but the leak was outside. Okay. Uh, like it just, it, it was sort of in the foyer, about two planks away from probably, you know, leaking into the, the crawl space. It's sort of a flat roof, so there's not really a traditional attic. It's not really a peak. Sure. Uh, so there's a real small scroll, crawl space up there. Uh, you know, you definitely can't stand up in it. Um but uh, yeah, it did leak from where where the uh, you know the shingles ripped up, but it just it was dripping just like right outside the back door. So we lucked out there. So no flooding or anything yeah. like that. Oh no we, no no no. Yeah, we we had a little bit of flooding uh, over here, but our house, like my house specifically, is not in an evacuation zone. Like we're in a little cul-de-sac, but if you get out of the cul-de-sac down the road just a little bit, that's where like evacuation zone A starts for our city so uh and and uh, there's pictures that i that i've seen of the water like just coming up to a certain level and then it just stops you know and you can see it and everybody else is in their driveway up underneath their garage doors and stuff 
but we're not. So, uh, you know, we, we got real lucky on that end. Uh, uh, very fortunate with, with just where the house sat. Um, glad to know that for future, future hurricanes this is our first one in this house. So, right. My buddy, uh, uh my buddy lives in Houston or right on the oh, outer, right. on the outer rim. And they just went through Harvey and, mm-hmm. uh, he was, he was, t- I was, you know, in constant contact with him to see how he was, him and his were, uh, were handling it. And they, uh, were on the outer fringe. They had some flooding, like he said, some water came through the back door in the kitchen. But as far as, uh, you know, like you see some of the footage in people's houses mm-hmm. are covered up to the roofs and everything like that, that uh, he was uh, on the outside of that. So as the, the damage as far as his home was concerned was minimal, but like, you know, around him in the, the streets and what floated around and things like that was still being assessed the last time I talked to him. So I, uh, I think the country's seen enough uh, natural disaster for a while because while you guys were underwater along with Texas, the whole West Coast was on fire or something like that. So we like forest fires and and things like that. So I think we've we've seen it all enough of that just for uh, you know for the for a while. I, I would think yeah, we're anyway. we're done for 2017. Yeah, at least quota. yeah. For uh, sure. You gotta wait till next year when the new fiscal year starts or something. So <laughs> so let's actually talk about football. That's why we're okay. here. Let's do that. Um, so anyway, because of the uh, because of Irma, you guys had week one off because you just so happened to be scheduled to play a team that had the same bye week as you. Mm-hmm. So you and Miami both had that late week eleven bye week, mm-hmm. which when you know it was I, so beautiful, it was, and you know <laughs> it so it's like, especially for a team like yours that's expected to make uh, a playoff run to have that week eleven bye and then you know, to, to, to gear up for that final run and everything. I mean, talk about, you know, like the perfect buy for what the team is expected to be. And now you guys got to go old school, 16 weeks straight. And, you know, yep. what what kind of, uh, you know, that kind of flips the script a little bit. I mean, 16 games. And I can't even remember the last time that anybody had to do that. Maybe back in 99 or, or 98, whenever, the, whenever there was it only was 31 94. teams. Yeah, I think it was uh, '94 was okay. when they uh, was when the the league uh, it was it, it was early '90s when the league instituted the bye week uh, right. because up till then everybody had to go 16 straight or however long the season was. Um, but you know, I mean, yeah, it sucks. You know, bye weeks are great. You know, we get we get a Thursday night game, which is cool. So you kind of get like a little mini bye week, and that comes up for us in week five between week five and six. Sure. Um, you know, having, having the late bye week would have been, would have been really great, but you know what? It's football. It, it's just football and, and it's how it shook out the NFL. I don't think they had to move the bye week. Um, a lot of people say they did. I'm glad that I'm not a person who had to make that decision personally, but, uh, you know, it, it's just what it came down to. You know, these guys are men, they're professional football players. It, it sucks, but it's just what we're going to have to deal with. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much it changes uh, changes the game plan going forward. You know, uh, uh, usually use the bye week to to rest up, but you know, if we're just not going to get any rest. You just keep going and and just do what you got to do. Football's the next man up type of sport. You know. So I mean, basically, you got you got to make the most of those uh, ten days that you get from your Thursday night game until the week six or week seven uh, game that you have uh, following that, because that basically becomes your you know, regular season uh, bye week because all this did was extend the preseason uh, for you guys. I mean, but I mean, did it help out at all? I mean, are you getting somebody back that wouldn't have been available week one? Possibly. Possibly. Uh, possibly. Uh, Jacquez Smith 
blew his ACL, excuse me, ACL out the very first play he played last year in the Atlantic game. Mm-hmm. Um, we were expecting him back at the beginning of, of training camp uh, after OTAs, but he had a little setback and uh, had surgery. Um, and then it was sort of like a cat and mouse game if he was going to be back week one, if not. Uh, and today when the injury report came out, he was not listed on it. So it looks like he's a full go. Buck fans were excited about him last year, uh, even though he missed the whole year, is because uh, he had something like like uh, 13 and a half sacks and just like 18 games played with the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. And we're looking for a full 16 games breakout season. Um, he's going to be on the opposite side of Noah Spence during obvious pass rushing downs. And uh, so that would probably be the only person. He, he might have played Miami. We, we don't know. But that, that extra week surely – uh, helped him, and also the acquisition of T.J. Ward. You know, another week right. to get him acclimated. He might be able to play more uh, than he did. You know, he'll probably get to play more through the 16-week period uh, because he he might even been active. You know, week one against Miami because he was only in town for like a day. Like we signed him for like a right. you know, you know, it was like a, he he was in he we signed him. He was at one buck place, and then we had had to do the four days off because it was a bye week like league regulation so he was in town one day and he just got back yesterday so uh you know besides that no every every everyone was very healthy dirt cutter that was his point and he said it over and over and over again was to what we want to do is show up week one and be healthy and you know if you saw the injury report today it looks exactly to be that for us hmm. well you know we uh if you guys have get up with what happened with the bears uh on yeah, sunday yeah um you know the kevin white situation that that is what it is i mean that guy just he's consistent if nothing else as far as that goes <laughs> but um yeah. you know the the real loss was jarell freeman and right. um i talked to jeff dickerson who is the the espn beat writer uh he's been on the show a couple of times um we went back and forth on Twitter for a bit, and I was like, I don't suppose you could make my day and tell me that Freeman is on the short-term IR, could you? And he's like, as of right now, it hasn't really been determined because the Bears haven't come out and said whether it's a partial tear or if he's completely torn the pectoral muscle. So it's not all we know is that he's on IR, whether he's there to stay or he might come back mid-season after eight weeks or whatever. We still don't know, but the fact is. He was having a pretty awesome game against the Falcons and, and, you know, was playing pretty well. A very big reason why the Bears only allowed 68 yards rushing to Freeman and, and Coleman uh, in that football game. And we just lost him at, at, you know, optimistically for at least half the season, but most likely for all of 2017. And, and um, you know, that was a loss that's going to be hard to replace. Yeah, he still ended up being the leading tackler, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. so he's having a really good game. Yeah, I mean, they rotated quite a bit. Uh, Kwiatkowski, who's going to be our starter again, and, and Trevathan, who's been a medical marvel because nobody thought that he'd be able to bounce back from a Week 10 ACL tear to or PCL tear to be able to uh, start Week 1, but he played very well on Sunday from what I saw. So, you know, it's Trevathan and, and Kwiatkowski and, uh, you know, had to pull some guys off the practice squad to fill in the spaces. So um, we played the Falcons, and that's a hell of an offense to start against. And now we got you guys who have the potential, all the potential in the world to put 40 on us if we're not careful. So, I mean, we were able to, to keep uh, Atlanta under wraps for the most part, except for that one 
one play to all. I still don't know what happened. That Austin Hooper <laughs> touched. Did you guys see that one? The broken coverage. Oh my it. god! I mean it. But and the thing is, when I go back and I look at it, I can't see whose busted assignment it was. It had to be a busted assignment. It was Chris Conti. Yeah, you know it. That's who it reminded me of for sure. <laughs> but it wasn't as blatant as Chris Conti, where Chris Conti stood there and watched Red, Randall Cobb run right past him. It was everybody was moving, and it's just like you know Austin Hooper just ran naked into the middle. I mean, he was standing there waiting for the ball. That's how wide open he was, and he could still do that and manage to run you know eighty eight yards for a touchdown. So that was the thing when I went back and looked at the play, I couldn't really tell whose mistake it was was it was it Jarrell Freeman because he was the linebacker on that side was it Eddie Jackson he was the safety or was it Quentin Demps who's supposed to be playing center field and I think he went with the receiver on his side you know it's really hard to tell who's to blame for it and it's like all we know is that the blame falls on Demps because he missed the tackle when he had a chance to bring Hooper down now granted that was a that was a tough task because Hooper's an offensive tackle that can run a 4-6 but you know, he still had a shot and he and he missed it. So, I think it probably had mostly. Weren't you guys like bracketing or clouding Julio pretty much all the whole entire game? So you had Jones two guys. was was fairly ineffective in the game, um, but it was because he was like basically being like a man on top and a man under. Oh yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, so, so that takes two of your you know five slash six defensive backs out. Um, so I don't know that that's where I, that's how, where I would look. Uh, if I wanted to see, like, like where was Julio in that play, and see how many guys were around him. Yeah, I was looking then, at a at a throw chart, kind of like when you like show like basketball when they show you somebody's uh, shooting, uh, you know, throughout the football game. And Matt Ryan, I think, only threw more than ten yards like five times the whole game. Everything else was underneath. I mean, I we thought that the Bears were underneath passing it to death, and the Falcons were doing the exact same thing. So. I don't know. I, I guess it makes me feel good about what our secondary was able to do against those guys and the potential that we can do with the dangers that you have on your side. Um, you know, but it's the I'm 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 worried more about uh, you know, the explosiveness of what could happen. Um, you know. How did you guys look in the preseason? I I, I didn't get to watch as much hard knocks as I would have liked to. Yeah, this preseason was was interesting. Um I, I because th- like our starting 22 or, or even, I don't know, starting 30, like if you count the, the guys that are going to regularly rotate in, though they might not technically be a starter, um, like those guys were set. So this season, this preseason especially really focused on all those guys that are that are playing for death spots in the roster, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the preseason, like they truly were not playing to win. They were playing to compete for roster spots, if that makes sense. So coach wasn't calling things that that, that you would definitely call in a, in a normal game situation. Uh, and like even when we got to the quote unquote dress rehearsal in game three, like 15 of our guys were sitting out, you know, uh, <laughs> the guys that should have been playing. So, you know, the, the preseason, I think we wound up ran what it was one in three, I think, in the preseason and um there, there wasn't anything super spectacular. I think that we saw throughout the preseason, but uh, you know, the we got what we needed as far as determining who was going to be filling in the the bottom, I don't know, ten spots on the roster. Which honestly, those bottom ten 
spots will continue to churn throughout the season as they do, I think, for pretty much every team in the NFL. So, yeah. you know, uh, the the uh, Ren, I mean, you did you did the daily training camp journal update. So, right. you know, maybe less the preseason games and just in practice, you 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 were at every single open practice. Um and and probably can speak more to how the the starters looked at least through practice because that's really where we got to see them. Yeah, uh, just I'll just put a button up on the on that game. Uh, how they looked in the game, the the offense could move the ball up and down the field with, with it looked like no one could stop them until they got inside mm-hmm. the twenty. We had real problems of getting you know top, mm-hmm. uh, topping off drives. Uh, you know the first team offense at least getting it into the end zone. Um, but you know, in between the twenties, you know, it was pick your poison. Uh, some of those play designs that, uh, you know, you'd have to go back and look at the all 22 and do it in slow-mo and you're just like, well, how do you even stop that? Uh, uh, what, for instance, um, Jameis pivoted left and faked a pitch and then, you know, did a rollout, uh, and Cam was dragging. So Cam was on the left end, Cameron, Cameron Bray, one of our tight ends, and he, uh, you know, just sort of drug across, you know, mirroring Jameis. But as Cam cleared the line, you know, going from left to right, O.J. Howard, who was blocking down in the end, released behind Cam. So the linebacker on the, on the right-hand side was trailing Cam, who was mirroring Jameis, and then here comes O.J. Howard off, you know, off, off of, uh, you know, pushing the end, collapsing the end, and then he peels off, and there's nobody I mean, you got nobody covering. It looked like an Alabama play. O.J. Howard wide open, you know, right. uh, you know, you know, six six, you know, two whatever he is, two sixty five, you know, runs runs a four four forty, uh, all by himself. So, but there were very, it was very few that he kind of like delved into the playbook uh, of the trickery. Uh, well, I would say trickery, but uh, you know, like really designing a play to see if this would work. Most of it was vanilla, but we had no problem moving the ball up and down the field we just had a problem punching in the end zone um Mm -hmm. as far as practice uh it's 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 hard to tell and brent's right i i i went to every open practice i think it was something i ended up going to like 17 18 practices uh but you don't you know they don't stop there's not that big gap between the plays there's not that 45 seconds between the plays they'll run a play and then like three guys will shuffle out but they don't run to the sidelines. They just sort of step back into that mass of people that's sort of behind the offensive huddle, mm-hmm. and three more guys walk in, and you know, and you're at eye level with them. You're not like you know, uh, in the club seats or even in the nosebleeds where you can see better. Or you can look down. You're only you know, I'm in the bleachers. I'm only five rows up, and I'm only twenty yards away. I can't, I can't see their numbers that well. So, trying to find out who's doing what and who's running with what was hard uh i don't think dirt cutter head coach particularly thought we had a very sharp camp um but i think it was just like every nfl team you know one day oj howard looked uncoverable the next day he looked like a rookie same thing with chris godwin you know one day deshaun jackson you know no one could stay with him the next day they never threw deep to him you know there was one day where mike evans dropped like three balls and you know so it was up and down uh but uh i think as Buck fans, we're very excited to see what this offense can do. I think we know that they will be able to move the ball no matter what against anybody. Uh, 
And defensively, it's still sort of really up in the air because uh, I don't really think, and this is me personally speaking, that we have sort of a short up that, that runs straight down the hill you know, between the tackles. I, I think we're still susceptible there. At least that's what I saw in preseason games. And, you know, you guys got Jordan Howard, and uh, he, you know, uh, if it hasn't been shored up, look for him to have a big game. Well, I mean, it, it, the the running back situation is, uh, you know, we had a star emerge on Sunday in Tariq Cohen, and I am happily eating my words about him because he was I was not happy about the Bears drafting yet another running back, uh, you know, in the fourth round or whatever it was that we that we took him. But I mean, he was vital to why 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 it was that we were able to to uh, you know stick with the Falcons for as long as we did uh, in that game. Uh, on Sunday, so we've kind of got this two-headed monster thing with the with the running back situation. And Tariq Cohen was was you know the the analogy was that he's Ryan Pace's Darren Sproils, and he lived up to that at least for the first week of the season. My concern going into the game is our passing offense. I mean we we were playing without our number one receiver, then we lost the new number one receiver, and um, you know we're running out of bodies already to. Uh, to uh you know to put out there and vincent jackson was rumored to be somebody that we might be bringing in and and things like that and pulling him off the street to oh really that was that was a rumor as far as who were who who's out there that the bears could bring in i don't think that they had any discussions or anything (laughs) like that but when when the list was presented vincent jackson's name was on it so um you know it didn't happen we ended up just promoting one of our own guys from the practice squad into the active roster. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, you know, I, 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 I think that the potential for the running game is, is, is outstanding for us. It's the, the passing game that, uh, that worries me. So, I mean, what's, I mean, how, how good are you guys against the run? Is that a weakness for you guys? Um, well, it was last year. Not, okay. and, and here it was, like I said, it's running downhill between the tackles. It okay. was, it was hard you know we there was very rare very few times that you know they got stuffed at the line of scrimmage it's like if they got three yards that was like a good run stop you know uh five yards was more the norm and seven would have been you know like uh would would not be unusual if you ran between the tackles and got seven yards straight up the middle that's the reason you know we went out or the buccaneers went out and got chris baker uh it's the reason you know uh they uh uh sorry clint mcdonald our our, our starting defensive tackle besides uh, Gerald McCoy, they both put on weight uh, this offseason, at least 10 pounds apiece. So now they're both over 300 pounds. Um, you know, we drafted a big 320-pound defensive lineman in Stevie Tui Kovatu, who's on IR, but basically we re-signed his twin, Silver Siliga, who is a 320-pound defensive tackle. So we're definitely trying to – and drafting Kendall Beckwith, uh, a big, the biggest linebacker we have on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get Stouter up the middle. Um, it, it's Since we haven't played a game, I can't tell you if, it's, if, it, if it is a problem. Right. I know it's something they definitely tried to fix. And uh, just uh, for a little of a, of a hot take uh, before I pass it to Brent, um, I am not worried, and I have an argument to back this up, I am not worried about Cohen whatsoever, like at all. Really? At, at, at zero. I am zero worried about him. And and uh, I'll go ahead and let you know Brent answer the question you had about the running game. And if you want to come back to it, but uh, I'll tell you why. Oh, we'll definitely come yeah, back to I, that. 
<laughs> I, I mean, my mine's pretty mine. My take from what I saw through the practices that I did get to go to, and, and even through the preseason, um, I, you know, actually, I think our defense is looking pretty good. Our defense got pretty hot towards the second half of last year. I think we talked about that last time we were on the show here. Yeah. Um, and from the looks of it, they look to be picking up where they left off. Uh, Ren, Ren has often beautifully said, and I've actually started seeing other people start to pick it up, that the, the most important free agent signing that the Buccaneers made this past offseason was re-signing our defensive coordinator, Mike Smith. Um, and, and I think he's right on when he says that. And, and you also heard him say we're getting stouter up the middle or bigger up the middle. I feel like that was kind of the mantra this offseason uh, for the Buccaneers, for Jason Light, our GM, and, and the guys, uh, was get bigger up the middle. Um you know, for those reasons. And, and, uh, you know, we've got a, we've got a really good, um, uh, run, uh, Will Golston, Ren, he's the run stopper. No pass stopper. No, he's a run stopping. Defense. He's the run stopper. Yeah. Yeah. Ren, Ren, uh, <laughs> trying to keep all these guys straight. Will Golston's a, a great, uh, run stopper. They've, they've incentivized him with a new contract this year to help him, pick up the other side of his game but you know my my look at it is I actually feel pretty good about our defense um this year I, I feel great about the offense except for what rented uh, you know alluded to is is what happens when we get into the red zone but uh you know I I'm really personally liking this defense and uh uh you know they they look like they're going to come out hot is is what it looks to me and they're super healthy so uh the signing of TJ Ward um, which I don't know how much he's going to really affect the run game, so to speak, unless somebody breaks off for something big. Um, you know, that to me kind of was a, a, a final piece of the puzzle, I think, for our, our defense to really uh, go over the top. So why aren't we afraid of Tariq Cohen? <laughs> <laughs> Just waiting for Brent to finish. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of uh, like uh, there's that. Uh... Yeah, for, for, for the record, for the record, and, and I say this on our show, I don't follow other teams, so I'm not even sure who this Cohen guy is. But uh, Ren does, and so I'll, I'll let yeah, him speak to that. Number 29, you will learn it well on Sunday. <laughs> okay, Go ahead. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I, no, I liked him coming out of college. I, I you know, uh, of course, once you hear his nickname, the human joystick, and you see some of his highlights on YouTube. Uh, he's an exciting player to watch, no doubt. Uh, had 158 total yards. Yes, uh, that's good. But 45 of them came off punts, uh, three punt returns. Uh, Brian Onger, our, our punter, who I think, and I'm, I know, you know we're biased, obviously, but uh, we wouldn't trade him for anything. Uh, nope. the, this guy could pinpoint. It's like throwing darts off his foot. You'll see how many ball, how many ball. If he gets the chance to put you inside the ten yard line, how many are going to down? Not inside the twenty, inside the ten. Inside the twenty is a bad punt for him. Now there are going to be punts where, you know, I'm sure that he's far enough away, doesn't have the leg to make it inside the ten, or doesn't want to outkick the coverage. And what they do is he just kicks it between forty and forty two yards, and he kicks it like eighteen feet in the, or not, not eighteen, one hundred eighty feet in the air, he, and. When it comes down, our gunners are just going to be sitting there waiting for. You're going to. They're going to force him to fair catch, or they're going to kick it out of bounds. They are not going to let Tariq Cohen touch the ball in the punt game. I can almost guarantee you that. So you take away those 45 yards. So now he's like at 118 total yards. Okay, that's still a good game, especially from a rookie. Uh, he got 66 yards on five carries. He only got five carries. The one his big 
carry, which was 46 yards, which, you know, it was a very nice carry. But let, let's let's be honest. You know, it's not like he broke any tackles. It's not like the offensive line opened this big hole for him. It was a Keystone Cops, you know, 180, whoop-de-doo, five yards behind his own line of scrimmage. And he broke contain off a seven-year defensive end who ran a 5-7-40 seven years ago. And then and, and if you look at the play, the Falcons had nine guys in the box. Nine. Nine in the box. They all got flushed out in the wash. He had two guys to beat. One was being blocked by a ride receiver, and the only other guy caught him and, and chased him down. You take you take that out. He did get five yards per rush if you take that 46 away and average it out. He still had to get five yards per rush. But he's not going to take any more carries away from Howard than, like, five or six a game. So as long as he doesn't do this, you know, whoop-de-doo, keystone cop, you know, it maybe happens once, maybe twice a year – uh, those type of plays, I, I just don't see him as a threat in the running game. Um, I also think our linebackers are faster than Atlanta's, but you know that that's here or there. And then you go to his uh, receiving yards. He had eight catches on 12 targets. They threw him the ball 12 times. Yeah. Now you alluded to, you talked about how your receivers went down. Uh, you know, at one point I think you only had three wide receivers even playing for you. Uh, you know, even in the lineup by the end of the game. Um, so he did get a lot of targets. He had eight catches for only 47 yards. I mean, and one of those, yes, was a 19-yard touchdown. But take that out. I mean, well, don't take it out. That's only six yards per catch. You take it out, it makes it four yards per catch. You take out that 19-yard, that one play, it makes it uh, four yards per catch. So he had seven catches at four yards per catch. Uh, that's not scaring anybody. Look, I think he's an exciting player. Uh I, I, would I like to have him on my team? Yes, I would. I think he's a weapon in space. I just don't think he's this. Uh, I don't. I really don't. Honestly, I'm not trying to be mean. I just don't think he's he's a caliber of back that say these other rookies are. Uh, you know, uh, Hunt or uh, Cook or uh, Fournette. Like he's just not up there. He had a very good game. He had two big plays, but. All in all, it, it it was, you know, it's it's hard to say. Well, if you take those out, but they count. But still, the averages, even leaving them in there, the averages aren't that great. You know, uh, he made like one third of his yards on, on punt returns. So I like him, but I, I really, if you break down his stats and really look at it with the speed of, of our linebackers, Quan Alexander, Levante, David, like I, I don't fear him at all. And plus, since you have nowhere else to go with the ball, you know, you got Zach Miller. Uh, you got Howard and you got Cohen, and that's really it. Uh, you know, uh, so defensively, I, I think we're going to be pretty good. The, what I fear most is what I said earlier: is Howard up the middle, and can we stop that? But Cohen doesn't scare me at all. Okay, well, you asked the Falcons about Tariq Cohen. You see how uh, they have the one <laughs> with fantastic things to say. So I mean, I'm you sure, and I'm not. I'm not saying anything bad about him, but you the Falcons. Know, you can do anything know. with statistics, man. You really can, but it's okay. just you can, you know. But uh, right. you just look at the impact that he had on the football game. That's those are all the stats that I need. I don't need to look at his numbers. And tell you the truth, you just inform me on what his numbers were. I had no idea. All I know is that you know Tariq Cohen <laughs> was on was making plays and helped us stay in the game with the NFC champs on Sunday. So. You know, I didn't really pay attention to his numbers. All I know is that any time that, that Cohen had the ball, it was exciting. And, you know, he was making something happen. So that's I what that. I saw on Sunday. I get that. And and just, uh, like, if you can make statistics say anything you want, can you say that the Bears are 1-0? No. 
No, uh, I can say we're almost one to know, but uh, that doesn't count. <laughs> you know, no. it's like, I, like I, said, I can I'm not say dumping, that. I'm not uh, dumping on the guy. He's very exciting. But as me, as me looking at it as a Bucks fan, I like I, I I'm really not scared, and I I might be eating my words. I might have to eat my words and eat crow. Well, he's already caused me to eat mine, so you're next. So all right, there we go. That's what the guy does. <laughs> so he's already made me look silly. So the Bucks are up next. So um, so anyway, guys, um, you know we got this game coming up on Sunday. Any any worry about? Because, you know, you were talking about how guys were being sat on game three. Obviously, nobody played game four. Then you had an, an extra week done after that. Any worry about ring rust going into the into the game on Sunday? Because a lot of these guys probably haven't played in almost a month, depending on yeah. on who they are. Yeah, that's that is uh, that's something that our head coach had brought up during uh, one of his press conferences uh, last week. Uh, um, and even some of our local media guys have been talking about, and, and it's, it's a thing, uh, I don't know that worry is the right word, mm-hmm. but it's definitely something to be aware of. Right. Um, because some of these guys, they haven't played. I mean, our starter, like I said, we sat for the dress rehearsal, 15 of our, of, of, of our number one guys on the team. Um, and so a lot of these guys haven't played since the second week of, of preseason. And, you know, Coach Cutter, one of the things he talked about this preseason, uh, we actually saw it on Hard Knocks, was he he came up to the team um, at halftime uh, or right after halftime or something uh, after game two, preseason game two, and he said, hey, however tired you're feeling now, double it because when you get to the season, you're playing the whole game. You're not coming out at halftime. Um, you're like, so there's a, he talked about how, in the preseason, there's a little bit of conditioning to build yourself up to being able to play a full game. Because coming off of offseason, you don't want to go out and have to play 60 plays. Um, so, you know, not being able to play this past week, that that might set in a little bit of rust. Like I said, I don't think that worry is the right word, though it is something, you know, certainly something to be aware of. But I got to say, uh, there's a there's a thing that is happening with the individuals on our team. Um, Jameis Winston is a guy who's kind of leading this way. Gerald McCoy has been a guy who's leading the way in this, but you see it in like Mike Evans and Quan Alexander and all these reports that we hear of what these guys do on their own to stay game ready. Um, I would be very, very surprised if they didn't uh, keep that, you know, keep that going this past week, even though so many of these guys were more worried about their families and more worried about getting out. We saw something today, DeMar Dotson, our right tackle, drove 18 hours with his family to get out to get out of the hurricane zone Mm. so you know certainly these guys were more focused on people than they were on football over the course of this last week um you know but but i i i'm pretty confident they're going to be game ready and if they're not they're just gonna have to suck it up and get there you know right do you think maybe that that could that could work against you that it seemed like cutter was more interested in making it through the preseason healthy as opposed to getting his team ready to play no, he was definitely he, – here's w- where it could hurt. He was definitely ramping up, like Brent talked about, conditioning-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you heard it a lot through camp how, like, he's getting the guys ready to be able to play a full game September 10th, which was, you know, last Sunday against Miami. Right. And then that sort of gets yanked away from you. And then you have to give the guys four days off, like I mentioned before, because it's it's technically our bye week. Uh, so they have to have four days off. So they get four days off, and they were supposed to come back uh, and get you know hit the ground running Monday, but they didn't get in until late Tuesday night 
because you know this hurricane comes so everyone's worried about their family uh now maybe they peaked too early with their conditioning i don't really think that's a thing uh honestly uh like Brent said, you just got to suck it up if, if it helps or hurts. I honestly think about two minutes into game time like that no one will ever talk about that topic again. Mm-hmm, it's just right. something so it's right. sort of something sort of discussed right now because you guys it's a possibility. Yeah. 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 We haven't played. You know, yet. you know what it might be is a little bit, you know, because the like our media guys and, and even us as podcasters like I, I mean, you know this. You get to you get through the off season and you you start making up stuff to talk about. You right. know, uh, ours just got extended by another week, so our guys are like, "Well, what can we talk about for this next week?" Uh, you know, I, I mean, some of it is that, like, you know, we're we're just focusing on stuff that isn't football, um, you know, d- that isn't directly like game review and, and things like that. So it might be some of that. It might just be something that's a little more puffed up in the media than than is actually going to be an issue. But I think Ren's right. You get two minutes into this game. And adrenaline's going to take over for these guys. These guys are professionals. They know what to do. Um, and, and if they don't know what to do, they're not going to be on the team very much longer. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, but we, we've got a great mix of, of uh, long-term veterans and uh, highly motivated uh, young guys on the team. Uh, not just rookies, but, you know, some of, the, some of the guys still in their first contract, you know? Um, just about all the teams on still their first contract. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or or they're in that uh, or they're they're veterans. Although a lot of them would be signings with their first contract as well. So same thing. But uh, you know, they're. I think this team's going to handle it well one way or the other. And Coach Cutter seems to you know he's got a beat on it. He'll he'll help get them through it. You know. So you know it's um you know you you were you were saying you know just to mention a moment ago you got an extra week to to get ready for the season, which is what kind of puts me at a disadvantage because I'm usually, you know, week number two, we're all uh-huh. talking about the first game that we played and you guys haven't played one yet. And, right. you know, the, the 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 games that you have played didn't really count. And, you know, guys are playing one half if they're playing a half at all and uh, mm-hmm. and things like that. So there's still so much about the Bucks that we don't really know yet. And right. we're going to be all learning it together. Uh, on Sunday so um, you know I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting because it's your week one and Mm -hmm. you know I'm as a Bear fan interested to know if the team that I can look forward to seeing was it the one I saw on Sunday or was that just a fluke week one thing you know what I mean because week one is is usually one of the toughest weeks to call like if you're doing a pick them and things like that you know, right. I, I've I've run a pick'em league with a bunch of friends for like the last eleven years, and week one is by far the most schizophrenic week of the season because it will completely flip on you week two. You know, the, the mm-hmm. week one warriors like the Jaguars dominating Texans uh the down Rams. there in Houston, the Rams forty six to nine, you know, are they gonna come back out and do that week two no matter who they play? Probably not. The the Jags are not going to sack whoever it is they're playing ten times like they did against Houston. Uh, on Sunday, you know, or, or will they? You know, that's the other thing. They got enough talent. Right. God knows they've been spending enough money to try to build that team up. Will they be able to pull it off week two and beyond? Will the Bears be able to repeat the performance that they had where they looked like they belonged on the field with the Falcons last Sunday as opposed to what everyone expected, which was last year's 3-13 and team against the defending NFC champion. It was supposed to be a laugher of a football game, and that's the last thing in the world that it was. So... 
you know, I'm waiting to see what's going to happen and, and how you guys respond to this time that you've had off. And, and will the distractions of Irma have anything to do with how you play on Sunday or anything like that? Uh, it, there's a lot that goes into it, but it's all yeah. talk and conjecture and what could be and so on and so forth. And, and I'm, I can't wait for the game on Sunday to get the answers to these questions. Right. And let me throw another wrinkle into there. Uh, your quarterback was here with the Buccaneers for the last four years. Right. So, you know, he he knows this defense, uh, this particular defense by one year, uh, you know, because last year was the first year of, of this particular uh, coaching staff. Um, but he knows the guys. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows what they're capable of. He's been, he's been in the locker room with them. He's been on the practice field with them for a long time, for a lot of these guys, not all of them, but a lot of them. Uh, but the flip is also true. Right. You know, uh, our guys know Mike Glennon and they, you know, Gerald McCoy said something. I saw him. Uh, he said something earlier today to the effect of, you know, Mike Glennon's seven foot seven. And if you give him time, he'll kill you. Uh, so, you know, who knows who's number better? Is it Mike Glennon's going to be able to pick apart the Buccaneer defense or is the Buccaneer defense know exactly what Mike's going to do and how to get him how to get him off? So uh, like how to how to, you know, throw him off his game. So there's the the there's that whole wrinkle to it as well of what you're saying like you know uh, is the are the bears that are going to show up this week is that even going to be something that you can take into week three and saying what you know what is this team going to look like coming off of last week's as well yeah so I mean it's it's usually we're about a good three or four weeks into the season before we start to figure out what it is that uh, what it is that you have. You know, I mean, and, and and in some cases, you know, that's not even true because last year it was the Vikings. The year before it was the Falcons. They start five and oh, they're on fire. They're number one in the power rankings and neither one of those teams made the playoffs. So, I mean, who is that team going to be this year and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's uh, it's a funny game that we uh, that we adore and, uh, you know, but it makes it interesting to go through the 17 weeks to uh, to get to the end to see who's going to reign supreme. What I, I can tell you this, uh, Buck fans are not taking this game as lightly as they thought they were going to. That's um, right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I mean, you know, the Bucks have been, you know, the laughing stock of the league and, and Chicago is sort of like, you know, a blue chip uh, franchise of the NFL. Uh, but, you know, the Bucks have definitely had, you know, probably 80 percent down years compared to up years. So it's it's. I'm not trying to be, you know, like, oh, you know, who did this guy think he is? But, like, we thought, you know, the win was sort of in the bag, especially with the way that uh, last year's game went. Right. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and that now you have, like, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, we have our cast-off quarterback, you know, uh, the guy who couldn't <laughs> win the starting job here. Right. Uh, so, and, you know, everyone was just sort of thinking it's a walk in the park. And then, like you said, you know, the Falcons come to town with their high-powered offense, and your defense looked really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I don't know where your points are going to come from, but, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's, that's my concern, too, <laughs> actually. So. Yeah, so, but, but you know, Brent's right. Uh, I was always a lot, I always liked Mike Glennon a lot more than than other Buck fans. Uh, I thought he kind of got a raw deal, he'll, to deal uh-huh. here. Yeah. Because the line he played behind when he got here was absolute garbage. I mean, total yep. garbage. A terrible roster. And, like, by week four, he was, like, handing off to the four-string running back. Like, guys mm-hmm. went down week after week after week. And, you know, he still rolled with it, you know. Uh, kept his interceptions low. We didn't win a lot of games. 
Right. But it wasn't because of him. Right. Um, so I never thought he really got a fair shake. Now, do I think he's better than Jameis Winston? Absolutely not. You know, I will take Jameis Winston, you know, every day of the week and twice on Sunday oh, over Mike course, Glennon. Yeah. But the game that, you know, sort of Buccaneer fans were expecting week two is Chicago rolling in for the home opener is not the game we're getting. And everybody knows it. <laughs> well, I look forward to it. I, I really do. I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, for, for me as a Bear fan, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we can come in and, and at, at least make it as competitive as we did uh, against the, uh, the Falcons and see if we can't steal one. Uh, you know, pay you guys back for ruining our season last year. Because hey, man, we were the best two and six team in the history of the NFL coming into that game. I mean, we just we just embarrassed <laughs> the five and one Vikings on national TV, and we had two whole weeks to get ready for the other two and six team or three and five or whatever you guys were. And holy hell, did it just come apart at the seams that week? I mean, that game basically sealed the season as to like, okay, so. We're not worth getting excited about this season. Thirty-six to ten, and it wasn't even that close. So uh, mm-hmm. hopefully, we'll be able to come in and, and give you guys a game on uh, on Sunday and uh, make it interesting uh, at least. So we'll see. Well, so I'm expecting. I'm expecting. I'm ex- sorry. I keep. I was going to say I'm expecting again, but I'm going to do it. I'm expecting. I'm expecting a good game. I really am. Yeah. Um, uh, I think your defense is a lot better. Well, obviously, it is. Uh, I think your, your defense is a lot better than I gave it credit for, or pretty much everyone did in the NFL. Maybe gave it credit for. Uh, and Mike Glenn is not going to lose the game for you. So you know your defense is going to keep you in in ball games. And we haven't played yet. We haven't played a full game. You know this is where sort of these scenarios that we talked about earlier come into play. Like we don't know what to expect from our our offense or our defense because we haven't played yet. Right. You know mm-hmm. anything is on. Everything is on the table for the way the Bucks are going to perform this Sunday. Like, either end of the spectrum, it, it's on the table. Uh, you guys have, you know, sort of nicked something, taken some things off. Like you said, it's week one, but, you know, you, you, got, a, you got a better feel about what your team's about than, than we do, that's for sure. Definitely, definitely. So, um, you know, I, uh, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Um, looking forward to the game and answering some of these questions. You know, are the are the Bucks going to be the team that everyone thinks they will be, including myself, which is a playoff team at the very least, if not winning the division, that crazy NFC South you guys got down there, that carousel of first place finishers uh, and whatnot. So, uh, you know, will or will this, you know, will not having that week 11 bye end up hurting them and, you know, so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, aside from the game that we have on this Sunday, uh, I am expecting good things uh, from the Bucks, and uh, look uh, look forward to talking to you guys sometime in the future. We'll do it. Yep. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for having us on. Brent Allen and Ren Daxt from the PewterCast podcast. For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I enjoyed having them on the show. Those guys are fun to talk to. And, um, you know, I honestly, I wish that I lived a lot closer to most of the people that I have on the show. Um, just because I think that despite our allegiances, and you guys have heard me say that many times about our uh, NFC North brethren that we've had on the show. Despite their allegiances, they're all cool guys and, and girls, um, you know, and I'd love to sit around and uh, talk football with uh with any of them 
you know, as much as possible, you know. And uh, when when uh, when you when you meet someone that that shares a passion for something that you do, um, it's just it's you know, it, it's you know, I, I love talking to these people. That's why I do it. I mean, first I did it because I wanted to add a little something extra to the show, um, you know, other than just me you know, flapping my gums for half an hour and 45 minutes or whatever. It looks like we're over an hour for this week's show. But, um, you know, it, it was, and, and, it, and then it's just almost, honestly, it's become somewhat of, what of like a, an addiction is uh, finding these people. And, um, you know, I, I've been very fortunate that, um, you know, everybody that I've had on the show, I've enjoyed talking to, um, you know, and, and uh, look forward to having them back. And, you know, even when we haven't been able to work that out, I found somebody else that was just as cool, if not cooler than the other guy that I had on the show and and things like that. So, I mean, I've, I've had a blast doing this and having the, you know, having these guys on the show. And, um, you know, I, I look forward to keep doing it as well and, and trying to find excuses to bring other people back on the show, even if we're not playing their team and and things like that. So uh, I might just have to start an NFL podcast so I can get all these guys on the show for no reason you know it's like hey it's week six how about we randomly have Lori Va- uh, Lattimore Volkman you know from the mile high report to talk about the Broncos just because I haven't talked to Lori in a while or something like that you know or or uh, or get uh, Jeremy Reisman on the show and uh, you know what have you so um, yeah maybe I don't know maybe I just gave myself an idea there we'll see maybe coming in 2018 we'll see you know, not going to start a new podcast in the middle of the season. So, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I'll start talking and, and see, see what I can do, you know? Hmm. Yeah, maybe who knows. But, um, anyway, you know, just real quick, this game, um, it's, uh, I don't know. I really honestly don't know how to feel about it. And mostly because we haven't seen the bucks play yet. Um, we don't know what to expect from this team. I mean, we know what the expectations are, but we don't know what to expect from this team. And and like I said, when I was talking to the guys, it's it's um, the team scares me, especially on offense. You got Deshaun Jackson, you got uh, you got Mike Evans, you got OJ Howard, you got Cameron Brait. You know, the the running game is probably where we'll be able to catch a reprieve, especially with, with the way that we played against Devontae Freeman and, and, and Tevin Coleman last week. I'm sure we can handle whatever it is that the Bucks are bringing to us this week on the, the run game, but it's the passing game that worries me and um, the big play potential that the, that they have. And, you know, we all remember that play from last year where Jameis ran around like a chicken with his head cut off and somehow found somebody 50 yards down the field for a huge gain and uh, and things like that. Now, hopefully, plays like that are in our rearview mirror, uh, even though we just saw one last week uh, against the Falcons. But... Um, you know, with 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 Winston and his playmaking ability with his with his feet and things like that. Um, you know, the keys to this game, especially on the defensive side, is the one thing that we failed to do against the Falcons, and that's get a turnover. You know, uh, Jameis Winston, as good as a quarterback as he's becoming, um, you know, he still does things. That, I mean, and I saw it in, in the in the in the few episodes I got to see of hard knocks this year, Dirk Cutter ripping him up one side and down the other because he made a throw in one of the preseason games that he shouldn't have that nearly got picked off or did get picked off, you know, that kind of thing. You know, he's still a he's still a third year guy. He's still a young quarterback. He's still settling in to, you know, to the position and uh and whatnot. And every now and then he's gonna make a mistake. And hopefully the Bears can force one or two this Sunday because I really think that can turn the tide 
in this game. I mean, you saw how close the Bears came to victory on Sunday, and they didn't force a turnover, and thankfully we didn't give one up either. So, you know, we need to create some takeaways and avoid it uh, as well because we didn't have any against the Falcons on Sunday, and uh, but we also weren't able to generate any against the Falcons, and, and uh, you know, a turnover really could have changed the tide uh, of that football game just about at any point in the game, honestly. So, um, you know, hopefully we can get a mistake or two out of Jameis, you know, use a little bit of that rust early on in the game because I, I really think that if the Bears can weather the storm in the first half, then that, that lack of, you know, uh, lack of playing uh, over the last month or so I think can take its toll you know, the heat and the humidity and everything in Florida and everything can, you know, I think maybe the Bears, because, you know, we did play the majority of the preseason and, you know, obviously we have a game under our belts against the Falcons, a 60-minute, you know, battle to the finish. And, uh, you know, despite losing the game, the Bears have to feel good about themselves coming in and uh, maybe being able to take advantage of this thing later uh, in the second half, you know, so if we can avoid giving up anything huge in the first two quarters, I think the Bears might be able to seize control in the second half, maybe get a turnover here or there and, uh, you know, take advantage. I believe we can win this game. I believe that we can. Will we? That is the real question, you know, and, and I think I would have a better answer for you had the Bucks played a game yet, but we still don't know. You know, like I said, we know what the expectations are, but we don't know what to expect. Uh, from this team so um you know right now I'm, I'm I you know if I would pick the Bears honestly I would I would pick them if I was still doing my pick em game I would pick the Bears to win this game um you know like I've been saying for the last couple of weeks I have a funny feeling about next Sunday against the Steelers I really do um I just got a feeling that we're gonna steal that game from them I just I just I don't know what it is I honestly don't um Maybe because it's been a while since the Steelers have beaten the Bears in Chicago. I, I don't know. But I just got a funny feeling Bears are going to walk away with one next week on Sunday against the 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 Steelers. But uh, obviously not trying to look ahead. Obviously we have to deal with the Bucks first. But, um, you know, I, 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 I like our chances in this game. Even Brent and Wren um, definitely have a uh, respect for the Bears that uh, you don't really see everywhere. But, um, you know, uh, I'm uh, – I'm interested to, to get it on with these guys and uh, and see what happens uh, on Sunday. So it should be exciting. It should be a lot of fun. And hopefully it is because remember how excited we were to play the Bucks last year? What a disaster that turned out to be. <laughs> so hopefully this is the opposite of that. You know, hopefully we're on the on the on the on the positive end of a 36 to 10 uh, win down at Tampa Bay, taking advantage of the ring rust that the Bucks are going to carry into this thing. So we will see. So uh, come back on Monday when we review this game. Between the Bears and the Bucks, we'll have knee-jerk reaction, bear up and bear down for week number two and everything else in between my heated or happy analysis next, uh, next Monday. So I'll come on back for that. And, uh, you know, as far as next week and, and the preview episode, Jeff Hartman uh, from the, uh, behind the Behind the Steel Curtain uh, on SB Nation will be joining us next week to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Just got a confirmation from him via email here a few minutes ago. So he is locked in to, uh, to be our guest next week. And, uh, you know, this thing's rolling right along. I mean, we're, we're, we're preparing. We're 72 hours away from Bears-Bucks on Sunday to get week two in the rear view and get ahead to week number three. So it's like all this time, and we say it every year, all this time we spend waiting for the season to get here, and then it gets here, and it's like, no, no, wait, 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 it's already week seven. What happened, you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, here it is. 
week two is already just around the corner before you know it we're going to be mid-season wondering where the last six weeks went so uh yeah i mean but it's football season and i love every single second of it so you know come on back on monday when we review this game will it be our first victory monday of 2017 or will we continue have or have to continue to wait if i could speak english that's yeah no that'd be great so anyway come on back monday and until then my name is larry d and this has been the chicago bears review This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.